Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Batsheva Hay, designer and founder of dress brand Batsheva, best known for its modern spins on vintage styles. Batsheva hit a lot of radars when Ella Emhoff, Kamala Harris's stepdaughter, wore the brand to the 2021 inauguration. It's since collaborated with brands including Laura Ashley and expanded to new categories. I wanted to ask Batsheva how she's leaned into new opportunities and how she plans to grow the brand from here. Welcome, Batsheva. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here. You were not new um, when you got all this buzz last year, um, 2016. Tell me about, I know there's a Laura Ashley story about how the brand came to be. Exactly. Um, So it was not meant to be a brand. I didn't set out to get into fashion at all. Um, I was actually a lawyer and uh, I was kind of disgruntled and I quit my job and then kind of got excited to get dressed again the way that I wanted, which included wearing lots of vintage clothing. And uh, I kept on going back to this thrifted Laura Ashley dress that I was just wearing to shreds. And I wore it so much that I wanted to remake it. And then once I kind of found the path to getting a pattern maker to remake it, I changed it so much that it became like a whole other kind of like Frankenstein creation. And uh, that was the start, you know, in my head of just wanting to make more and more and more and more. So, so it all came from a vintage Laura Ashley dress in a way. Yes. Talk to me about the, the your customer behavior during the pandemic. Is this uh, were they wanting? I know you know dresses. There's the the nap dress trend. Did, did people um, gravitate toward toward this style? Your style. Um, you've got a variety of styles, but yeah, what was the behavior? So I think at first during the pandemic, it was all sweatpants, 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 and then I actually started with this idea of the house dress. Also getting into this idea of like a printed dress that was really cozy for home. And that's been also kind of a huge chunk of my business since the pandemic was like a more relaxed style, because I think a lot of my styles in the beginning were very tapered waist and very kind of like, obviously comfortable and, you know, easily washable, but they had a little bit kind of, they weren't as forgiving. And so I've definitely since the pandemic picked up just the one size, easy on, easy off, like take a nap in it dress. When you had this idea, you're, I'm going to start a dress brand. I'm going to start a fashion brand. Uh, you're a lawyer. You have some business savvy. <laughs> Tell, talk to me about the steps, the process, the the team members that were necessary to get this off the ground. Um, well, I actually didn't have much business savvy, unfortunately. <laughs> I was so used to sitting in an office and just kind of being an employee. So I think I just, it's an experience that I think a lot of people have when they start their own thing is like the freedom to not answer to anyone and to get to play around a little bit around that. And um, I was very conservative with money because I didn't have any to start really. I just had like a few thousand dollars and I just was making things that I knew no matter or what happened, I would wear. And I think for for years, and even now, mostly, like every sample is something I'm going to wear, even if no store wants to order it. And so I'm making something that, you know, I believe in and want. And I think that a lot of that was, you know, I knew that someone else would want it if I wanted it. I wanted it because I couldn't find it elsewhere. So a lot of it was kind of just using that logic. Maybe that's the lawyer in me. I was like, if I can't find it in the market and I'm making it and I love it, you know, there has to be a market 
for it. For sure. Well, you started with a couple thousand dollars. Uh, were you fundraising early on? Did that come into play early on? No, I actually have never. I mean, now I'm getting to the point where like it's there's more things I can, you know, really invest in, but I never really thought about that. I think I'm just a very kind of, you know, conservative risk averse kind of gal. And so I just didn't ever want to get in over my head. So when I started, I was working out of my apartment. I took over like half of my daughter's bedroom and, you know, had a few racks there and would do appointments with buyers there, which is just so embarrassing to say now, but um, I was really packing and shipping out of my apartment building. And, you know, then when I'd gotten enough wholesale orders and I was able to move into an office and I was able to hire someone and, you know, it kind of just grew like that very organically. Well, you mentioned uh, you weren't sure if anybody else would be interested in in it if stores were going to take to it. Um, did you know right out of the gate um, you maybe didn't want to be a direct-to-consumer brand? You To get eyes on it, you want these collaborators, these retail partners? Well, I think at first, I just, you know, there is the, uh, the getting recognition from consumers. And so that, it was really important for me to get a good retail partner to kind of like help me out there and expose me to all these different consumers. And right away I had, um, matches fashion, which is, I guess, you know, you know, it's kind of amazing. And at the time was much bigger in Europe. And now I think has more recognition here, but, um, the founder had like seen my dress at a dinner party and they ordered like 600 dresses as their first order. And I had no idea how to make it. So once that, that once that happened and then they just sold really well and kept on ordering more and are still great partners today, um, I think that that, you know, is really, really a help. And, you know, at the same time, the past couple of years, especially since the pandemic, it's been like so much more focused on direct to consumer. And I think any brand starting since the pandemic is really kind of probably thinking much more in terms of that direction. But at the time, it was like such a huge essential boost to have like retail partners. For sure. Well, I mean, talking about like, I guess the wholesale kind of hurdles that, that everyone experienced during the pandemic, just wondering about your your supply chain and, and what what goes into um, developing your dresses, pattern make you have these amazing patterns, like who's involved? You're the designer, yes? And, <laughs> and yeah, where's the production happening? So um, it's honestly a little bit all over the place now, but I definitely started by focusing really on fabrics that I found. So didn't create both from like a sustainability angle and also just from like the thrill of the hunt because I'm such an avid vintage shopper that I love vintage fabrics and I love finding special fabrics. And I actually started working with these um, quilting um, fabric producers who, you know, kind of supply stuff to quilt shops around the country for like home sewers to make quilts out of. And I found such a variety of different patterns there that sometimes I would just slice them together. So I still work with things like that with kind of unusual, you know, and they're not, some of them are newer and some of them are older. Some of these companies, you know, have been around forever and have tons of things that, you know, have been sitting around and they'll give me like a good deal on a certain fabric or whatever. Um, and then I also have been introducing some of my own prints that I've made, you know, just like kind of my favorite dream prints. And um, and yeah, and before the pandemic, everything was made in New York City. But then as everything shut down totally, 
I started working with some really great um, manufacturers overseas, um, in India specifically, these like lovely family businesses that, you know, we have like an amazing WhatsApp relationship mostly. And so now it's just kind of a hodgepodge of vintage fabrics, found fabrics from quilters, some that I design myself. And, you know, it's just kind of always a search for the the most kind of exciting version of a dress I can make. Yeah. So would you say that your supply chain, your materials uh, chain was maybe less impacted in the last couple years um, during the pandemic as as everything kind of came to a halt, like you're going for things that are already out there. <laughs> am, am I reading it right? Kind of. Yeah. I think that that was a really big thing was I tried to, I mean, even, well, you know, at certain points, like my factory on 36th street was completely shut down and couldn't open to make anything. But once they did, you know, I had my fabric that I've saved there and I went for that rather than waiting for something coming on a container, you know, in the ocean that are, that's, you know, delayed. So I do think that I'm always trying to think, you know, of what's on hand and trying to use that first. Let's talk about fashion trends. Like, it's really interesting to me because, you know, these amazing patterns are probably more readily available because everything for a minute there, or or maybe more um, (laughs) going to quilts, let's say, for a minute there, everything was uh, minimal and and streamlined. And right now everything, you know, resale is having a moment, vintage is on the rise. Um, Like you were always a vintage shopper. Do you see kind of uh, tides changing in terms of um, fashion that's resonating? And and if so, why? Why would you say? Um, I think... Definitely. I mean, vintage, I've always been into vintage, you know, as a teenager, and you could just find the most plentiful, amazing vintage stuff in all the thrift stores. And now you really can't and everything is so expensive, because I think that people really are starting to prize scarcity and to prize things that feel very special and unique and one of a kind and hard to come by. Um, which is kind of amazing because it used to be thought of as it's just a one-off discardable kind of object, you know? So um, I love that. And I also think that people just kind of like the romance of, of bygone eras is kind of coming back to, uh, which I've always loved. I've always loved old fashioned stuff. Yes. You're, it seems like you are just, <laughs> you're speaking my language. I love vintage. It never fits. I'm too lazy to get it tailored. Like to have <laughs> vintage fabrics in, in a style made for <laughs> today's woman, I would say. Um, anyway, it seems to be, make sense. Tell me about the year, your current business, um, the year you're experiencing um, compared to maybe 2020, 2019. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely very busy. Um, the main focus is just, you know, direct to consumer and, and creating that as its own business in a way, because it has just a totally different rhythm. So I think that that's something kind of, you know, interesting to get into just creating images. I mean, that's also one of my favorite things. I, my husband's a photographer and he's been in fashion longer than I have. So, um, that was always something that made it so fun was our image making that we do, together and um and that you know when the stores put it up it's lovely and they shoot it very sleek and very beautifully with all their accessories but you know i it's important to me to have my own kind of point of view expressed in images and you know i'm doing that obviously on my instagram and on my website and creating products 
that are just on my website. Um, so it's kind of a way to keep on staying really, you know, in touch with what I love and the kind of core aesthetic. Yeah. So you really have ownership. I was going to ask you how important Instagram is to, to the success of your brand. Um, first of all, are you, you're doing it all here. (laughs) You're Uh, running this, this, oh my goodness me. And would you say, yeah, that that's been really instrumental in terms of defining your brand and who you are? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it's something I didn't take to initially, but it's just become such a way to, you know, again, it's just the images that I make posting, posting them immediately. Sometimes it's just getting a one of a kind dress and, you know, putting it on a hanger and taking a snap of it and putting it up on my Instagram. And then it kind of drives so much engagement and I get so much feedback from it too, that it really feels very essential. So, so yeah. Well, for it's a namesake brand. <laughs> yeah, um, are, is, are you the face of the brand? Would you say like, I don't know if I've been in your Instagram for long enough to, or, you know, deep enough to know whether you're, you're out there. I do see you on like, I don't know, New York times or, or something or other video cooking, <laughs> yeah. but you are out there, but do you see yourself as the face of the brand? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do post myself a lot and, um, you know, obviously I want to design for other women too and show other women and show other different looks. But I think that it really is very much, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely always in the mix. of it. For sure. Well, as direct to consumer becomes more important, what's the balance of the business? Um, you, you've expanded to more retailers beyond matches fashion. Uh, what's the balance? Yeah, I would say it's about, it's about 50, 50 now, um, for wholesale and direct. And this is very recent because, you know, before 2020, I would only kind of get a few orders here and there. So it's definitely much, much busier for direct-to-consumer, but also, a, you know, a lot of new retailers as well. Like Netta Porter has, you know, been a really great partner too. And now Saks and Nordstrom. And it's really kind of like expanded in terms of um, wholesale as well. So yeah. You mentioned some great e-tailers. Is it important that some of your partners also have a physical presence or are you considering your own stores um, or let people try on and all of that jazz? Yeah. I mean, I, I do still think it's really important to be in, um, you know, those boutiques around the country because I always get questions like, are you available in any store in, you know, Maine or whatever? And and it's just really nice for customers to have an actual experience with the garments before you know, just to get familiar with the brand. Um, I definitely love the idea of opening a store. I think that that's something I'm really looking into because I think that, you know, also just controlling the environment, um, you know, and being a part of that interface with customers' experience, the garments would be really great. So we'll see. (laughs) <laughs> hey, ideally, if you were to do that now, would that be in New York? I guess so. I guess yeah. so. <laughs> TBD. Um, TBD. We'll see. You spoke about kind of the the difference in the business 2020 and prior. Um, tell me, are you, are you referring to that Ella Emhoff event um, effect? Um, and what what impact did that have on the brand? Um, so that was so interesting because it was one of these situations. I was very excited about it, but I didn't 
know that would be so huge. I'm sure she felt the same way that day that like she would completely explode and blow up the internet. But um, yeah, I got a huge sales boost from it that I was not really prepared for. Um, so that was, yeah, it was really exciting. What did that mean for you? Did it mean like ramping up production maybe as the business grew? Were you hiring more that year or in 2021? I did a little bit, but to be honest, I've, um, you know, kept it pretty small. So I do have a few members, but, um, you know, haven't expanded too much. Yes. It makes sense to me. What's working to acquire customers? You've got some press happening. You've got Instagram. In terms of acquiring customers, you've got your Instagram for marketing. What's working to acquire customers? Are there any kind of levers you're pulling to kind of um, ramp that up from time to time? Collaborations. I feel like that's important, but go ahead. Yeah, collaborations. Um, and also, I mean, I'm starting to do marketing online, which is, you know, no one like likes to talk about, but I'm like, hey, I should do that because, you know, ads are a thing. So a little bit. Um, and then to me, honestly, Instagram, I can post something that's like an inspiration picture of like Drew Barrymore when she was five years old. And people buy my stuff for some reason, even though I wasn't selling anything or whatever. So I think it's just it's being front of mind for people and then um, and then just letting them kind of look around and see if anything appeals to them. But I think that it's it's just a big part of it is just showing up, showing up with newness and uh, kind of doing it constantly. <laughs> Yes. Speaking of newness, I did notice like your collection. I know you played into New York Fashion Week, like starting in 2018. I see your collections on Vogue's collections. <laughs> um, tell me about playing into the fashion calendar. Is it important um, to have a spring collection, a fall collection? Uh, are you dropping on the on those kind of traditional um, cadences? So I think, uh, you, you know, you kind of have to follow that cadence in order to, um, you know, work with retailers, because that's when the buyers, although now with Zoom appointments, it's not as urgent, but, you know, it used to be that the buyers were like, you know, we're around like on this such and such date because it's fashion week. Do you have anything to show us? And so that's when you have to have, you know, two racks of things to show them because that's when they have budget to write up their orders. So that that's kind of one of the constraints. And it's still mostly true that, you know, these stores get a budget for specific windows and you want to have something to show. But um, again, and it also allows you to provide, you know, your whole kind of fantasy moment, whether it's like a photo shoot lookbook or a fashion show, which I've done occasionally, you know, it is an opportunity where a lot of eyes are on what's going on in fashion and people are scrolling through and it's nice to kind of have a slot in there. But aside from that, you know, as far as direct to consumer business and just brand stuff in general, you know, it's you, you want to constantly have new things happening and, you know, your channels may not be that slideshow, but, you know, it's still press articles and Instagram and events and all of that kind of stuff. So I think, those, yeah, those four seasonal things are important, but then um, I think any brand starting now wouldn't really just limit itself to those four calendar kind of moments. Yes. Well, I know 
um, gosh, how important are like like you said, along with Fashion Week, I know you um were a finalist for the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund. Like some of the kind of some traditional kind of um I guess a traditional route, but um yeah, would you say that same thing for for um CFDA? I don't know. Um, again, the the steps that that you took would that do you think that that's again for a newer brand? Is it as important to get that recognition? I, I would think that it is in terms of, um, yes, your your peers, the industry leader. Um, anyway, tell me about the importance of CFDA recognition. Um, I think that it's, it's definitely beneficial. Like I do think that I've gotten a lot out of it. I actually did the fashion fund two times now. Oh, wow. And, and I got a lot out of it both times, but at the same time, um, I would say it's not essential at all. And that part of building a brand is really, you know, being a little bit impervious to those kinds of things because, you know, the whole fashion game is you're not cool until you're cool. And then you're only cool until you're out and whatever. So I think as much as you can, you know, put aside any judgment from other people or anyone limiting your potential um, and just kind of stay focused on what you love. It's, it's kind of the best. So if, you know, you don't get on the fashion calendar or whatever, doesn't still make your amazing pieces and your images and share it and believe in it, you know, because you don't need the approval of the fashion elite. For sure. Do you think that you'll be investing in another kind of, grand scale fashion show in the future? I mean, I definitely am open to it. I love um, the experience of putting it together. And I think it's just, it's like, I don't think it's necessary anymore. So if it does work out, like if I get the venue that I want and the idea comes together and like all of that and the budget makes sense, then I'll do it. And if not, I don't think there's any harm. Like the whole system is going to keep on going around whether I'm there or not. And sitting one out, or joining in is, I think, at this point, pretty voluntary. So definitely. Tell me about, you said, investing in, in marketing, um, digital. Are, is that like a Facebook, Instagram play? What, what specific channels are, are you looking at? Or are you, do you deem worthy of your investment? Oh, I know. It's so, it's such a funny, um, you know, system. But I think it's, yeah, it's Instagram ads and Google ads and all of that kind of stuff. Um, all that stuff you see kind of <laughs> approaching you from brands when you're just kind of, you know, on your own channels. So, but I think, yeah, it's Google and Instagram for the most part. And then like some affiliate marketing, I believe, but taking it slow, you know? Yeah. Oh, is, is somebody newer playing in this space? Is it um, shocking to you how costly it is? Because I just hear the prices are ramping up. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I know. I think that um, it is quite an investment. And like I said, I'm like taking it slow. <laughs> Tell, what about influencers? Is that working? You mentioned affiliate. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely work with, you know, some influencers a lot of times and also just, you know, celebrity loans and stuff. I have a crazy kind of matrix, matrix of things that I'm always loaning out for events and um, photo shoots and that kind of thing. Um, so that 
that also drives a lot of eyes and just kind of discovery. And I think that that for me right now, that's the really important thing is just to get people to, you know, discover my brand who didn't know about it already. Yeah. Well, on that note, who's the Bodsheva girl? Who who's who's a fit for the brand? Ah, I mean, that's I mean, I am. <laughs> I think that that's that's the thing is that it's really, you know, it it really is me in its origin, but I think it's it's a lot of people. I mean, I'm just thinking about who am I? Like I'm a mom, I'm like a a working mom, but it's not just that. I know that I have a lot of customers who are like the moms and their, you know, 19 year old daughters. And I know that, you know, it's kind of in all parts of the country and world that, you know, are places I'm, that aren't my exact zone. So um, I think it's the main component is just, it's like the love of dressing and the love of having fun with dressing. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really a dress person. I love to have an item that you just put on and it feels like magically kind of transforming and it really boosts your mood and you walk down the street and people compliment you. And that's, that's really the goal. And that's really the kind of core aim of my brand is to create things that, that, you know, foster that kind of feeling. For sure. Well, you're a dress girl. I, I described you in the intro as a dress brand. Your your brand is a dress brand. Um, what? Tell me about furniture. Furniture is new to the mix. <laughs> Where does that fit in? Yeah. So, I mean, in a way, I, I mean, I've always loved furniture and always loved vintage furniture. And um, I always found it so challenging to buy furniture because it always seemed, you know, again, a lot of spaces can be so minimalist and I just love things that kind of really stand out. And I also really, you know, love print. And so that again was something that I just wasn't finding in furniture. So I've just kind of the past few years been on the hunt for vintage furniture. Um, And I found, I found a lot. I've, you know, gathered a whole collection together of pretty interesting pieces from different eras. And then I've also collected so many, you know, pieces of fabric. And a lot of times I'll buy fabric, vintage fabric. And um, when I receive it, I'll be surprised at like how heavy it is. And I'll think, oh, this is like, I can't make a dress out of this. It's way too heavy. So furniture makes perfect sense for some of those. I have all these like heavier fabrics that are perfect for upholstery. And so again, that was just this intuitive process of like piecing together, which ones work with rich, which shape, you know, pieces of furniture and just like going through the whole process to make that happen and figure out how much I needed and find my, you know, best upholstery person and all that kind of stuff. I was trying to think of, gosh, what, what has a vintage feel and also could have a great print. I was trying to guess what category is next, but is it for you and that would fit into your world. But um, is category expansion kind of your your growth strategy here? Maybe new markets? Um, yeah. What, what's key to growth? Uh, I, de- I mean, I definitely want to keep on making different categories because like I said, it's, you know, dresses are my thing, but um, I sell lots of blouses and pants and skirts and sweaters and Um, I have all sorts of like little soft accessories and oven mitts and aprons and 
Um, and I'm working on shoes and bags and that kind of stuff. So um, definitely focused on shoes and bags because I think that that's such an essential kind of item to have and, you know, can be such a treasured item. And so I'm just kind of trying to figure out what that kind of ultimate batch of a shoe and ultimate batch of a bag are. So stay yes. tuned. I- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, are your collaborations, do you kind of consider them a test bed for whether or not you want to go there in, tr- in terms of a new category? Actually, I think that all of your collaborations to date have been in the clothing space or uh, maybe not, but um, tell me, Laura Ashley, maybe there was an Anna Sui and Ella Emhoff. Who, who mm-hmm. else have you collaborated with? Um, I actually did a perfume with a brand called Regime de Fleur, like a beautiful perfume brand that my friend started. And we did a little perfume that was great. But but yeah, but other than that, it's all been clothing collabs. And it's just a, a chance to kind of bring in a different kind of designer point of view. Is that how you see it? Kind of. I mean, so with like Anna Sui, for instance, we're such kind of mutual fans of each other. And we also both are such dress people. So we like the idea of just swapping shapes and fabrics and just doing a little kind of, you know, tongue in cheek moment there. And then Laura Ashley was just such an obvious like one that I've, you know, been dying to use those prints my whole life. So, um, so yeah, I think I like playing especially with you know different prints and fabrics that's always that's always really fun for me but I have more things coming so (laughs) we'll see watch this space well talk to me about your your goals for 2022 assuming the world (laughs) is as it is now um yeah what do you hope to accomplish I think it's just uh you know growing and expanding and uh you know, trying new things. I have some more projects coming. And so just kind of keeping the momentum going and having fun and, you know, creating more shapes. Like I think that I really like to focus on shapes that are kind of, you know, that I can keep on making that are really reliable. And I have like a few that are associated with my brand, but I want to kind of create more kind of best-selling perfect dresses that people can just be like I want to get this again and again in this fabric and um so yeah I'm just just kind of more creativity and and more fun I mean you're inspiring me I I, I'm picturing some Batsheva stores with you're a lifestyle brand with every category it's like the Laura Ashley of our time yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's what I'm that is what I'm hoping for. That's like on my vision board for 2022. Amazing. I didn't make this up. <laughs> awesome. Well, Bachava, thank you so much for being here. It was so good to chat and learn more about your brand. It was good. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the Glossy Podcast. See you next week.